Um, last week, if you were with us, well, actually, if you're online and listening, you know that uh, last week we lost our our uh, internet or, or something happened there that, that uh, we became dysfunctional. And I, I kind of grieved over that. Uh, there's other messages I would have not had recorded, but I, there's so many questions when it comes to this chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. Uh, the title was Marriage, Single, Divorced. Are you familiar with that? Lots of folks come into, into faith uh, through their situations and begin to wonder, oh, what, you know, what, what should I do? And, and especially in that area, divorce and remarriage. And there's a lot of questions people have. And therefore, I was afraid it wasn't recorded. And so I said something on Wednesday on my 3 by 9 about, well, maybe I'll have to re-record it. Eric then pointed out, and this is a good place to plug this in, is we have, of course, the website. If you go on the website, if you did not catch the message, uh, the first part of chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, uh, you could get on the website and there uh, go to media, and from there go to audio. It is recorded. You just don't get to see my smiling face with it, okay? Uh, which is probably to your benefit. Anyway, uh, uh, or let me promote this. Uh, Eric has said this before, but now we have an app over the past several months that if you have the smartphone, you could uh, get on the app. It has the same thing at the bottom. There's places where you could give or media. There's other things we're going to be able to do with this in time. But right now, giving, media, and, and some other things. But, but media, if you push on media, and then you, well, you could either pick up live stream. But here, down here at the bottom, it has listen. And so each of our services are recorded to where... Uh, again, you don't have to see me, but you could definitely listen to, to the sermon. I want you to hear the passage and, and maybe gain some understanding of what Paul says over a difficult topic. And it's not uh, surprising that the church in Corinth would be asking such questions. Uh, uh, questions that pertain to my marital status. Uh, and, and, and again, I just want to remind you who these Corinthians are. They are a new church. A new church. Uh, it, it, you know, Corinth, the city of Corinth was very pagan. Uh, no Christianity. Paul enters into Corinth amongst a, a terrible paganism. I mean, just extreme paganism and also a devotion to, to the emperor in Rome. And, and all those things are going on. And it, it, is, a, uh, it is a civil area, but, but there is no God. There is no true God. Paul has the opportunity to go into this Corinth area and to begin to proclaim the gospel, beginning a church there, which is growing. Uh, and, and over the, the short time that Paul is there, he establishes the church. And uh, uh, over that time, believers are, are growing. Uh, we're thinking house churches are taking place all throughout Corinth. So when uh, Paul is writing this letter, it's not to... You know, one individual congregation just to this congregation. It's to all the house churches throughout Corinth. And, and so we already know that Paul has addressed all kinds of problems in the first six chapters. Problems that they, they needed to have corrected. And, and now beginning in chapter 7 uh, has been a place where let me answer your questions. And again, one of those questions seems to be foundationally about what do I do now as a believer? Some of those married uh, to unbelievers, and they're questioning, should I remain married 
to an unbeliever. Or, I'm single, you know, what, what, what's my next step? So that's the beginning we see in, in this chapter. Chapter 7, I want to I go back and read again what I believe is, is Paul's central, what he's building his answer from, is, is some uh, central principles in, chap, in, in chapter 7, verses 17 through 20. I, I read two of those verses last week, but I think it's worth reading again, and, and some real good things that, that we need to focus upon today, uh, not just pertaining to marriage, I'll give you just this idea, not just to our marital status, but I believe overall decisions in life, uh, there's some changes that are coming. Uh, chapter 7, 17 through 20. 17 says, Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not be become circumcised, uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation uh, they were in when God called them. We're, we're going to talk about other things in the remaining part of this chapter. It goes on to talk about slavery uh, in verse 21, and then again repeats that same phrase in verse 24. Each person as responsible to God, should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. I, I encourage you to read this whole chapter again once we're done. If you haven't had that opportunity, but read it again. If you have questions that I did not cover, always know that I, I would love to be a, a, come into a discussion or, or help answer questions, seek, uh, seek even the answers that I give you this morning uh, because I love conversation. And we ought to be in conversation over these passages. Here's the bottom line that, that all believers know, all believers, that change is coming. Or actually, we've gone through change, right? Through Jesus Christ. There, there's change that believers uh, are, are expected to, to, to have. Through Christ, there's change, and then our lives change. We'll just put that out simple. Um, we, we, be, you know, we go from sinner to saint. Or a sinner to those who are forgiven. Uh, and, and Paul then, uh, in, in view of change, Paul comes along and says, remain as you were. Or, or remain as you are in the situation that you are in. Remain in that situation. So, it, and it is not, it is not a conflicting message at all. And I think that's important for us to say. But... Uh, not just concerning marital status, I, I believe this passage has some encouragement for each one of us overall in, in, in all our decisions that we make. So first of all, I want to start where, where Paul leads out again in this, this passage that we just read, and it's this, we are not called to social revolution. We're not called to, to, to do something so radical as you know change the marital status or, or change things all around us. Again, Paul says, stay in the situation you are in. I, I want to understand that a little bit more. And probably the best way of, of doing that is let's look at Paul's examples he lays out. In verse 19, he, he says, if you, are circum, if you are circumcised, don't become uncircumcised. Which you kind of, I, I mean, I thought, well, how does that happen? And I don't know exactly. You know, last week I, I just, oh, how does that even work? 
But, you know, in, in just some research and, and, and studying, I read a place where they actually had a surgical procedure that maybe young Jewish guys were thinking this, this would be a thing, is to have that corrected to where there could be uh, in its place something that looks like foreskin once again. So the, so the, uh, the, the circumcised could become uncircumcised once again. Uh, that is possible. That's not something Paul was just poking fun at. That was serious. And, and of course, what, what is more understandable for, the, for the, those who are uh, circumcised to be, become, I mean, for those to be uncircumcised to become circumcised. And, and the whole idea behind that, we know that under the law, right? We know that under the law, boy, circumcision was a thing. It was important that those who were of God, you were circumcised. But what Paul says in that verse is that it is now nothing. It is now nothing that we need to be concerned about. So a new believer who is approached by a Jew that says, hey, listen, if you really want to believe in God or if you really want to hold on to this relationship, and, and perhaps the Corinthians were approached this way, he said, you need to be uncircumcised. I'll show you in the Old Testament. Where, but they say, well, no, we're in Christ. We're not under the law, but we're under God's grace. It's a circumcision no longer of the flesh, but a circumcision of the heart. I mean, that's how Paul would, would lay it out for us. Another example, uh, it, it comes into slavery. In verse 21, were you a slave when you were called? Don't, don't sweat it. It's basically, that's Ronnie's version, but it says, don't let it trouble you. Uh, don't worry about being in slavery. Slavery is, is something, obviously, I think Paul is not in favor of, but he doesn't come along and radically say, well, if you are a believer, leave, flee, get out of that situation, get out of that commitment. But Paul also along with that says, but when you find that opportunity, you know, get out of slavery. But okay, that would be radical just to run away, to flee from uh, your master. And, and so in, in this, Paul uh, very much so says, you, you find that opportunity, which would be, you know, maybe pain uh, or, or, or finally covering the debt that you owe to your master, because that's kind of what slavery was then. Uh, a master would come along and pay for the debt or, or whatever circumstances you're in, and then you would be in, uh, a slave to that master as long as you continue to depend on him. If you're able to, to buy your way out of that, then, then seek your freedom. Uh, Paul is real consistent with that message about slavery. If you're interested in that, read the letter to Philemon. Uh, Philemon was a slave owner. And, and Paul, while he was in prison, uh, somehow came, became acquainted with a, a, a slave who ran away by the name of Onesimus. Now, I'm not sure whether he became a believer prior to his running away or whether he came to know Christ when he met Paul. But in the letter, Paul is sending Onesimus, the slave, back to Philemon because that's the responsible thing to do. He's sending Onesimus back to Philemon and, and in the letter to Philemon, who is a believer, says, don't treat him as a slave, treat him as a brother in Christ. So... Uh, Philemon has to think about that. You know, what does it mean that my servant is now my brother in Christ? It could mean Onesimus, 
Onesimus is freedom. Again, it's not to revolt against the things that that you are as you become a Christian. When God calls you, don't don't sweat where you are. You you begin exactly where you are as a believer. You you come into Christ. And that's where we were this last week in marital status. You know, if you're married and, and you're married to an unbeliever, do not get divorced. If you're single... You know, Paul, Paul's encouragement is stay single. You, those of you who have been divorced, those of you who are widowed, you know, hey, his encouragement, stay single. Just as Paul says, as I'm single. You know, encouragement is there. But there is a radical change. He said, don't change all these things. You know, l- let's think about it. Sometimes there's, there's that thought that I've, I've talked to some people, well, do I need to get out of the military? Uh, or, or do I need to, to stop certain jobs, you know, what, what I'm doing? Or, 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 or perhaps there's something I'm involved in. I, wanna, I just want to change things up and, and, and move a different direction because I, I, I just see that, that there's this change happening in me. But I believe, again, that Paul is saying, no, it's not this exterior radical changing that needs to take place. But there's radical changes that happen, isn't there? Absolutely radical changes. As I mentioned before, the radical change is found when we begin to recognize God as that sovereign God and that he's provided a Savior in Jesus. It changes our world, doesn't it? It absolutely changes our world. As I said before, uh, it's come to this place of, of recognizing that God is sovereign and that leads us into a praise for God, a, a recognition that, that everything we see is created by Him and that we have that opportunity to come before Him and thank Him. But it's also, as Paul says in verse 19, after the circumcision or uncircumcision thing uh, goes on, that those, that is nothing. But he then follows w- with saying this, keeping God's commands is what counts. Keeping God's, a recognition of God that He created all things and to say that he has a word for us, a direction for us, and what he says, I've determined to follow. That, that ought to be all of us. That, that we recognize his sovereignty. We recognize that he is God. He has provided for us. And we could come into that relationship with him. And now we could listen to what he says. What are his commandments? What, what is he telling us to do? And I love the simplicity that Jesus puts it in, right? You've got to love the simplicity Christ puts it into. Love God and love others. Loving God, loving others. That, that, that encompasses all the commands that God has laid out. It's, it's loving God, observing what he calls us to do and, and to live and, and caring for our neighbors around us. It really is simple. We're not called to, to this outward social revolution and, and, and radical changes. The true radical change that happens within us, and I would say overall in the church, is, is what happens within us through Christ and through the Holy Spirit. We are not to look for social revolution, but spiritual reformation. Uh, that's a line I got in one of the commentaries. He said, we are not to look for social revolution, but spiritual reformation. Uh, because that's what we are in Jesus Christ. We are reformed. When I say reformed, I mean we are remade, recreated. 
into his image. We, we, are, we are in a wonderful position. Uh, 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 such a position that we say, hey, we're kingdom people. And some of us love the idea of saying kingdom people, but also that idea that we are the children of God. That's why we call each other maybe brother and sisters in Christ. That's why we identify uh, through Christ that we are family and that we have a belonging together through Christ. That, that is significant. Paul says in verse 23, and I believe it says this the second time in Corinthians so far, that we are bought with a price. It is through the shed blood of Christ that we have received forgiveness. It is the way we've received relationship with, with God to be called his children and with each other. I, I, I think about Zacchaeus, the story of Zacchaeus. You've got to love the story of Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19 not going to turn there, but, but, but in that story, here he is, a tax collector, as, as Jesus is making his way into Jericho. And, and there's a crowd around Jesus, following Jesus, and, and, and Jesus is walking down the street, and Zacchaeus, being a short man, climbs up in a tree, and who would Jesus you know, notice out of all the crowd is the short man who climbs the tree and tells him, hey, I'm going to go to your house. And, and in the presence of Jesus, in his home, Zacchaeus makes this claim. Hey, I'm going to take everything. I'm going to take half of everything that I own. I'm going to give it to the poor. And those people that I've, I've uh, uh, embezzled or, or those people that I've stolen from, I'm going to pay back four times what I've taken. And, and it's Repentance. It really is an act of repentance. There's, there's a radical movement right there uh, concerning Zacchaeus. There is a change that took place in Zacchaeus' life, uh, doing something that, that would just be unbelievable amongst all his fellow uh, tax collectors. And, and Jesus said, today salvation has come into your house. Let me ask you, has there been a transition? Has there been change in your life? since you came to know Jesus? Has, has there been change? And, and actually, I, I would in my own life, I'd say there's not only been change, but it's been continued change. Is it possible over time, my job might change because of my relationship with Christ? Absolutely. I know lots of folks who have gone different directions because of, of faith in Christ, gone to, to different things, uh, found something with more purpose, and, and, and something to, to live for. I, I wonder what happened to Zacchaeus. I, w- I would love to know more of his story, wouldn't you? Does becoming a Christian mean that Zacchaeus no longer could be a tax collector? Yay! We love Jesus so much. He made that tax collector what, work some other direction. I don't know. But in some kind of radical thinking, I, it, wouldn't it be great to have a believer for a tax collector? And, and to have him open and honest and working with people. And that, that this tax collector now has a generous heart instead of gimme, gimme, gimme. I, I don't know. Like I say, it would be great to know what happened to Zacchaeus. But bring that into today. Into today. We're, you know, we have people in, in all kinds of fields, military. We have people in, uh, working in the medical field and, and, and teachers. And do we want you to change occupations? No way. 
We love you where you are and your opportunity to be an influence in this world. Now, I think there's some real strong thinking behind this idea of let's not all become you know, the same. Radically leave and, and uh, whatever we're connected to and, and, and enter into uh, uh, this, this one <laughs> communal idea. It's not that at all. You are where you are. I think it is that opportunity to be an influencer in the field that you are. Well, whether teacher, military, medical field, uh, working in, in retail, you know, all kinds of counseling, uh, you know, fitness trainer. I'm trying to think of them all, but uh, you know, wherever you are, you have that opportunity. The transformation that takes place to reach out. To the world around us. Some of you have a better opportunity. I will say this. Many of you have a better opportunity than I have to reach this community. Because this is my community. This is my contact. And, and yeah, I could get into my neighborhood. But you get into your, your business place. You get into your school. You get into uh, areas that I can't enter into. And you have opportunities for ministry. You have opportunities to open the door for the gospel to be proclaimed. There is a reason behind, hey, we don't change everything because we want you where you are. We want you to be an influencer over the community that you come from, that you're coming out of. We are to be responsible to God, verse 24 says. And it makes a huge difference in our overall thinking. Right? Radical change here. We have a different perspective of the way this world looks. Our life and view of the world has changed. That's point number three. Our life and, and view of the world has absolutely changed. And it, and it comes in the change that now we now believe in a, in a sovereign God who created and, and has uh, history, has, has the future in his hands. That changes our perspective. Um, I want to move on, verses 25 through 28, because I, I want to listen carefully what Paul is saying. As he's talked about marital status, he's going to a place again. He's talking to virgins now. He's he addresses specifically virgins. In verse 12, he says, I have the right to do anything. No, excuse me, that's verse... <laughs> I'm sorry, that's chapter 6. Uh, verse, uh, verse 25, uh, chapter 7 says, Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord. But I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. You are pledged to a woman. Do, do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many uh, troubles in this life. And I want to spare you. I want to spare you this. Uh, I, I want to, this, this could be uh, really difficult uh, to understand. But in the perspective we just talked about, God, you know, in our lives, changing our, our minds or, or changing our thinking. Uh, I want you to hear what he says to the the virgins. Overall, he's saying, man, if you're a virgin, stay a virgin. If you're committed to someone, go ahead and get married. There, there's not sin either way. But, but listen to this carefully. He, he basically says, 
And there points out that there's crisis in the world. Verse 26, the world is in crisis. And, and, and for that reason, be careful about marrying or, or, or what you do. Think about it. So what's he talking about? In, in Corinth, I, there was no major, no major, there was persecution, but there was no major persecution going on. There's just troubles from the world that's going to come down upon the Corinthians. So what crisis are we talking about? It, it, you know, it, it's thought that, that basically the life is a crisis. From, from the time that Jesus rose from the dead and is now seated at the right hand of God, and the church has had its beginning until Christ's return, well, we're just going to call it a life in crisis, a continued crisis. Are you familiar? Paul was. Paul was absolutely familiar what it was to live for Jesus. Paul knew what it was to live for Jesus, and it was not easy. It was not easy to live for Jesus. From, from this point... From, from Corinth, I mean, they're still making a collection. In a short amount of time, he's going to be headed to, back to Jerusalem with this offering. And there, Paul is going to be confronted by Jews that just want him dead. And, and, and from there, he is arrested and taken uh, to, to Rome where, you know, he's gone through a shipwreck. He's been by snake, you know, and, and many other things. His life is threatened. Paul has gone through all kinds of difficulties. For Paul, life and a commitment to God is a life in crisis. And Paul's the one writing this. And, and I, I don't doubt in my mind that it says that if you are truly going to live for Jesus in your life, there's going to be crisis you're going to face as well. So why? Because the world is a godless world. There, there are many around us who are godless people, and, and we are really, truly living in what I believe to be more of a godless society. Are you with me? You understand that? We're living more in a godless society. I think becoming more increasing that way. Do you think that people who believe in God, a sovereign God uh, who, who is cleansed through the blood of Christ, is going to find life easy? I don't think so. I don't think so. And I, I believe that's Paul's warning to this new church. He said, man, if you're going to be living for Jesus, you're going to face difficulties. It might be persecution for the Corinthians. Uh, there's going to be difficulties along the way. And what he's saying, hey, listen, if you're a virgin, it might be best if you just stay a virgin. Or, or if you're a young man who's a virgin, and, and maybe you, it would be good for you not to choose to marry. And here's the reason why, because there's troubles coming. And it's, a whole, it's going to be a whole lot easier going through those troubles alone than it is worried about your spouse, worried about your children, worried about your grandchildren. I'll just be honest with you. You know, the things, the circumstances of the world, I look at Oliver, I look at Isaiah, I look at my granddaughters, I, I, I look, and I'm thinking, are you with me, grandparents? I wonder what this world is going to bring for them. And above all, I want them to love Jesus in this world. That is growing more difficult and contrary. So, so my mind, in part, goes to uh, my family. But if you're single, Paul's saying if you're single, you don't have to worry about those things. I love uh, verses 29 through 31. He wants to make this clear. And to me, you know, all the decisions you have to make, listen to what Paul says, beginning in verse 29. Uh, 
He says, what I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. Catch that. From now on, those who who have wives should live as they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. Simple principles that we've heard elsewhere in Scripture. You know, this life is short. We have but a short time, a, 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 uh, um, a temporary time of life that we're going to be spending in this world uh, compared to what we know is coming, which is eternally, e- eternal. What God has planned for us is eternal. How does that change our thinking? How does that work upon our thinking in each day? It, it, it absolutely does. In, in decisions we make, he talks about you know, the things that, that make us uh, weep, the things that make us happy, the things that we even purchase. Think about that. I mean, how do we approach some of the funerals we attend when it comes to weeping? We lost Francis Graham. I hate the fact that even more so about this virus that we couldn't come and celebrate her life. I hate that. Many of us did anyway, Right? Many of us did anyway. What a sweet lady, a, a, a person who loved God tremendously. And, and in, in, in the, her passing, I, there's a sadness. But for us who know the God who's eternal, we know the true story. We have our hope in Christ, and we know the certainty of the promises he's given to us in eternity to come. The, her temporary is done. Her eternity has begun. Are you with me? So there, there's, a, there's a difference in the way we have perceive that. There ought to be a difference in the way, you know, what, the things that, that bring us to rejoicing. There ought to be the things that, that, uh, that our new thinking brings about a different way of uh, what, what brings us joy. You know, seeing a life come to Christ, do we know that has eternal significance in, for that person? And then we even think about the people around them. Oh, man, we begin to pray that way. As a matter of fact, even in that, thinking that our lives are now coming uh, under God's will and we're, we're desiring to, to follow after and, and be obedient to him. That's why I say, hey, it is about change and it is about continued change. Are, are you with me on that? You understand? That, that Christ changes us. But then, man, it is that pursuit of holiness that God has given us. It leads us to praying. And, and I still say it's, it's so significant what Jesus taught his disciples to pray. May your kingdom come, may your will be done. May your kingdom come and your will be done uh, as, as it is on earth as it is in heaven. As it's, it's working in heaven right now, man, we just want that to be happening here. And here's where it's got to start. And, and it, we're thinking that way, we're, we're understanding, we're, we're, we're pursuing the God of all creation. And following after what he says. And and so it matters. It matters when we make decisions to marry or to stay single. Or or, uh, it it matters in in what jobs we have and and things like that. Because, you know, man, he is our Lord. He is our direction. Uh, I I believe verse 35 really brings it all together. Uh, 
when Paul says in verse 35, he says, I am saying this for your own good. And this is after he says, hey, those of you who are married, man, you have more concerns than just being devoted to God. If you're unmarried, man, your focus has, could be totally upon God and devoted to him. But in verse 35, he says, I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way, in undivided devotion to the Lord. Undivided devotion to the Lord. So do we thumb our nose at, at Paul because he, he's calling us to an undivided devotion to, to God? Uh, those of us who are married, don't change that, okay? I, I want to be encouraging to you right now, don't, don't change that at all. I want you to stay married. I believe Paul wants you to stay married. But, but the idea is, and, and matter of fact, at the, towards the end, he says that if you are unmarried and you get remarried, choose someone who is a believer. You know, come into a believing. And, and uh, man, praise God for those who are in a relationship with a believer. Someone who is like and believing. Man, that has an opportunity to have that devotion to the Lord. And it's a pursuit. For those of you who are married, to, to someone who, who has not come to that decision yet. To, to pursue uh, a, an absolute devotion to God in our lives. And, and to uh, benefit kingdom together. I just want to encourage you with that. Now, change, man, change comes through Jesus Christ. And we're not looking to, to revolt. Or we're not looking to something real radical. We are looking... For something radical here within. A changing of heart. A changing of mind. Uh, Paul says living sacrifices. That, that's a radical thought in itself. But changing everything else. We're encouraged to stay as we are. Uh, and, and be an influence in those areas I believe. Changes will come. Those things might come gradually but not radically. Um, There's just that place where it says, we need, we need to pray after that. <laughs> let's, let's, let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and true. And Lord, for us to spend a Sunday morning outside of its content with stories and, and words, Lord, uh, there's value to that. But Lord, we want to know what uh, you have to say through Paul. We want to know what you have to say to the church today of how we ought to live our lives. This morning especially, Lord, we're, we're challenged to think that, that you change everything about us. Lord, a, a perspective that is not worldly, but a perspective that sees you in all that you've created, that seeks to honor you and to live for you. Lord, there's a world around us, and, and uh, we are called to be counterculture. But it doesn't happen uh, through, uh, through, through radical means. It happens just as Jesus came into this world. Uh, not in any kind of radical way, but Lord, revealing truth through his words, through his actions. Lord, may we be like Jesus in that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.